Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmel. I'm my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How you doing? Hi, Faisal. I'm doing wonderful. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm Good. doing all right. I think um, for those who listened to our show last week yep. and sent notes saying, I'm sorry, you're obese. Thank you. <laughs> um, officially, I'm not obese. Officially, I'm okay, the doctor said. That but was pretty funny. Th- those uh, comments of concern, uh, I appreciate them. Faisal is round- well-rounded, but not too well-rounded of an individual, so That's we're right. okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're doing you're doing just fine. Uh, we've got a really good show today. Uh, we've got lots of questions about um, about real estate. We always get questions about real estate because some people are downsizing, upsizing, right sizing. They're doing all kinds of sizing stuff. And what's going on in the Calgary marketplace? Because it's been a pretty weak market for a very long time. But there are signs that that is changing. Yep. Uh, or has changed and continuing to change. We're going to talk about that today. And there's a different way of buying and selling a home yep. in this market, and they're growing, so we're going to bring that company in and talk about it. And then what about living abroad? Yeah. You know, out of all the, all the people that we meet with that talk about retirement, one piece is either vacationing or living abroad in their retirement yep. for some or a lot period of time uh, throughout the year. Um, where are the best places in the world to live? And why? And why to live there? You know, it's a dream. It's a dream that I would say many, many, many people have, right? And the dream is cool. Sometimes the practical, there's some things you need to think about. We want to talk about those things. But where should you focus your attention? And where, most importantly, can you get the research to figure out to help you try to make a decision about where that destination might be for you? Yeah, so because there's so many places to pick, I just want you to pick one so you can leave as soon as possible. (laughs) We'll set up our our international head office in some fancy place. Where would you pick? Um... Gosh, I'd be hard pressed not to start in France. Yeah, you're you're Mister Europe. Yeah, I love you're Mister Europe. I love Europe. I love the history of I, Europe. I like being close to home, so I would go probably Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Mexico too, for sure. Yeah, but the European history, there's so much to see there, and I'm just on a bit of a kick on that lately. Yeah. So. I, I'm I'm too short to be walking around in Europe. <laughs> Way too short. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go straight to Europe for this for this interview, right? So we're gonna we're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk to somebody that's doing that right now. That's gonna be great. Okay, interesting we, week in the markets yeah. as well. A lot of volatility, a lot of concern. People are are looking at the markets, going, um, "What the heck's going on here?" Yeah, and so let's. There's lots to talk about, but I want to narrow the scope if we can, um, and and talk about the volatility. Because there's a fundamental question I think investors need to ask themselves when we see markets move down. And that is, are we in a recessionary year or are we not in a recessionary year? Okay, so that normally does not come to people's minds when they're investing. Right. Or when they're planning for their retirement and they're seeing their bright retirement portfolio go down. Right. And they're like, okay, I'm just worried that it's going down. Not the reasons why it's going down. But you bring up a good point. We have to look at the economic backdrop. Correct. Now, why is it important that when the markets are falling that you need to look at if it's a recession or not a recession? So if you if you look at the historical data, um, and let's just take a 10% move down on the S&P 500, we'll define that as a correction, okay? That's that's yep. the definition of a correction. Okay, so if you, if you get a 10% move lower on the S&P in a non-recessionary year, that means something very different historically from what you can see going forward than if you're in a recessionary year, right? Because in a recessionary year, if the economy is going into recession, that might be the start of something that's going to get worse. But historically speaking, when you look at corrections, which happen all the time in equity markets, in non-recessionary years, you don't quite know how low it's going to go, 
but it's, it spells something very different from what the, 12, the next 12 months might look like. So I was explaining to my kids what's happening and why um, I'm up so early, earlier than I normally am, right. and why am I doing so much reading. Um, your, your comments about a recessionary in the economic backdrop is absolutely important. And, and also when I'm looking at what's happening in the markets, I'm, I'm trying to explain to my kids who basically get every third word that I say, they don't <laughs> listen to me at all really, yeah. Uh, of what the heck's going on and why why is dad spending so much time reading yeah. um, I kind of look at the market and more importantly the investors in the market very similar to a first snowfall in Calgary because mm-hmm. we get a snowfall every year guaranteed mm-hmm. yet the first day that people get on the road when there's a snowfall Man, some people are driving all over the place. Some people are scared. Some people don't even leave their house. Right. Right. That's the exact same reaction to the market. Right. So this is what I was trying to explain to my kids. I'm like, okay, this is kind of like the first day of snowfall. Not a heavy snowfall. And the heavier the snowfall, the more fear enters the driver as they get out there. Right. This is exactly the same feeling when it comes to the market. So this is our first snowfall. Now you got to ask, are we in deep winter? Right. Or, are this, or is this just July? <laughs> well, yeah, is this a big winter storm coming? Yeah. yeah. Or, or is it, you know, is it just a first snowfall? And that's, I think that's the, you use a better analogy than me. Mine's sort of boring about economics, but that's exactly what people have to decide. And that's where I think we are right now. Yeah. And, and if you look at the backdrop economically, we don't see a sign of recession as of right now. But when we look at our economic dashboard, let's be clear, there's kind of one cautionary note on there, and that is inflation, right? Which, of course, is getting a lot of time and attention in the headlines. Yep, yep. And inflation is, the number came out in the U.S. on Friday, Mm -hmm. um, mixed data, Mm -hmm. different parts of the inflation indicators are showing a little bit different. We're hearing from um, different companies. I'll pick on on Apple, Apple. who said, you know, we should be kind of clear through the supply chain in, uh, in March, right? it's improving. Yeah. Now yeah. they've created their own supply chain. Yeah. If you look at, for example, McDonald's saying, you know, well, we're having a bit more challenge to get, you know, buns and nuggets out to the, sto- out to the yeah. stores um, and we're seeing wage inflation. Right. Right. So this is where it's going to get very interesting. Now it's going to be a story not of are we in a snowstorm? It's who's got snow tires and who doesn't. Right. And, and, it's the, and people have to also recognize that the, the crazy trading is around um, is around the guesses that various people are, and companies are trying to make going forward because, you know, we had we had um, Bank of Canada and the FOMC with their announcements, um, and people are trying to parse that guess. What does that mean? There's lots of room to raise interest rates. Yeah. What does that mean? Oh, and he di- he didn't say right. in the interview that he's not going to raise interest rates every meeting. So right. now let's add five to right. it. Or he didn't say they're going to get aggressive. So let's think they're going to put on 50 or 75 basis points in one go, right. which hasn't happened, I think, in 22 years right. where they went aggressive on dropping interest rates right. uh, or sorry, raising interest rates. Very interesting on how the market reacts to this. What I find very interesting too, and I gave you the list, I gave you a list of a whole bunch of companies yep. that have been decimated, like 60, well, 70, the top, 80%. The 500, right? The, the S&P 500. 500. Yeah. That's a good shopping list. Yeah. That's a good shopping list, like if, especially in Canada. Yeah. Because there's been a lot of companies that, that have been hammered too that, wh- why? Why are they Why are they down? Yeah. Um, and that's where I think good money managers will be able to do that. The ones who are scared, going back to my analogy on driving in the snow, yeah. those who are scared who just sit on the sidelines and park, you're not going to do anything, you're in, you're in paralysis. And those who are saying are turning back and going back to their garage saying, I'm not going to drive here, right. are going to be selling right. in the market. And I think that's um, 
that's a premature move, again, depending on your risk tolerances and depending on your financial goals. Yeah. But I think now's the time that people have to get not only investment advice, but proper portfolio management and structure. Right, right. And, and you know, one of the questions we, we get asked a lot, I'll make this very quick because we're running out of time, is, is there's not just one market, right? There's various markets that you can go to around the world, even in, within equities, bonds, you, you name it, yeah. in, within the same asset classes. And so, yeah, to your point, stay nimble, stay dynamic, and, um, and have a proper strategy, right, and a risk management strategy along with that, and you're going to be fine. One of the biggest assets people own, of course, is their house. Yeah. And there's been lots of activity over the past year or two, and that includes our city. I think this is the first time in a long time that I've heard the Calgary Real Estate Board say we're going to have an increase in our home prices this year. Four mm percent -hmm. increase is what they're estimating for the, the benchmark, uh, according to CREB, um, which piques a lot of interest. Right. And part of it might be a supply-demand issue. Part yep. of it might be pandemic-related. Um, but we don't really know what's what's the answer still that that mix of why Calgary's going up. We understand Toronto more than we understand Calgary at this point in time with the right. way that things are going crazy out right. there. Um, but let's get let's get experts in here, and we're we're joined with Robert Price, founder and CEO of Bode Canada. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to be here. So we have been um, chatting, having conversations. You're a reoccurring guest on the show now, talking about real estate for a while now and we wanted to kind of touch base on give us a bit of an overview of what's happening in the real estate market locally in calgary now you go beyond calgary's markets in your business but just let's start with calgary then you can you can branch out to the other areas what's really happening and and uh where do you see things kind of um panning out for us this year yeah i think it's i think the calgary markets uh you know it's been a wild ride as you guys mentioned uh, i think it's really a tale of property types so if you, you know, the broader, the broader discussion kind of blends all the property types together, but if you break out detached homes <clears throat> and apartments, uh, you're seeing two very different supplies, levels of supply. So if you take the supply of detached properties, uh, it's about 60% less than the average of the last four years, whereas apartments are more or less on par uh, with the last four years. And that's, that's for a variety of factors. And then you have the demand side as well, uh, where you are seeing continued uh, home buyer preference to have bigger properties, more space away from people as the pandemic kind of continues. Hopefully it's an endemic soon, uh, but also the, the ability to work from home and the regularity of working from home. And then you factor in on top of that, uh, the Fed's holding interest rates low, uh, recently announced that this week is another big factor, of course, the affordability of debt and homes. And then, as you mentioned on the broader demand side, Ontario and Vancouver get into crazy levels of uh, average property values such that you know your average detached property in Vancouver is $2 million. And you can buy that same property in Calgary for $400,000 and put $800,000 in your pocket after buying that property debt-free. Uh, so that's <clears throat> that's really created a interesting uh, migration from Eastern Canada and even you know West Coast because similar dynamics are happening in Ontario, and the net effect of that is um, if you have a detached property right now and you're looking to right size, then you get and and move into an apartment. There is this this uh, great uh, arbitrage opportunity for Calgarians that hasn't been here for over 10 years. 
Rob, when you look at the market and the detached uh, homes, they, you can kind of break them down into subcategories as well. Let me make up a couple of categories and if you can clarify for me if they're, they're the right ones that I should, be, I should be referencing. I would say below half a million dollar homes, below a million dollar homes, above a million and above 10 million. When you look at those different categories, because there's, there's, it, it depends on who's, who's buying, where's, where's the biggest demand and where's, um, where's the hardest place to sell? or price range sorry yeah i think the i think the sweet spot of the demand right now is in that 500 to million category that you mentioned um, partly partly because of vancouver and, and ontario demand we're seeing on bode's website we see 50 percent traffic increase in the last six months uh, from both of those markets to calgary than we did the previous six months um, but also there is you know you can great you can buy great value properties uh, still for that level of money where you can't get it in these other big markets. So I think that's where the total volume of demand is. But we've also seen the luxury segment, you know, million plus has had their best year in many years uh, in 2021. So it really is kind of the these, these demand factors are cascading across all the detached properties. And Rob, I know you're not a forecaster of this and, you know, we've got Kreb putting out some numbers and so on and so forth. But um, I, maybe it's important for you to tell us what Bode does so people understand where you're getting this data from. But I am curious to to sort of get your thoughts based on the traffic you're seeing, the buy-sells and speed at which uh, looks to have picked up, at which uh, Calvary Homes are trading as. What do you think? Is, is 4% given a rising interest rate environment seem reasonable based on what you're seeing those trends or you know, is there risk to the upside on that? Yeah, I think that's well, maybe just describing what Bode does briefly. We are an online marketplace, so you're able to buy or sell any property uh, totally online uh, with all the data and and tools and contracts and everything that you need to have a really convenient online experience. And and coming back to where where our analysis comes from, we have advanced data across Alberta and now across British Columbia as well. So we're analyzing that information, but we're also talking to new home builders and the top executives of uh, the biggest production builders in Alberta who are giving us some of their data as well. So the combination of that advanced data and that, and that new builder insight gives us uh, some unique perspective on this. Um, so I think the, <clears throat> the key question is what I don't think 4% is unreasonable the biggest question is the interest rate rise, and then I think the second biggest question is, do we end do we end up in this endemic? Do we actually does COVID uh, more or less evaporate on us here this year? Because I think that in our experience and working with our customers, uh, it's the that's really what's driving the lack of supply. It's people being nervous uh, to show their home to you know interact with other people. Uh, although our service eliminates a lot of those in-person interactions, um, but I think that those are really the two key questions. So I don't think the four percent is unreasonable. When I look at um, the the issue of this pandemic and people not willing to open up their homes, and I also look at people saying, "I don't want to really work with an agent." Um, so I'll give you a bit of a, a story. Rob and I had a, a conversation a few months ago where I'm looking at offloading one of my properties. And uh, I said to him, you know, I just, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy to, to do this myself. 
And of course, Rob, doing what he does, sat down with me and said, "Let's let me educate you." So now, right. here's the, here's the, that's the tee up for you, Rob. Educate Popovich, educate our listeners about how the process works, where you're saving <clears throat> thousands of dollars here, um, and you it's not as overwhelming uh, um, as maybe people like myself were thinking it was. Yeah, it's been for us a, a really exciting 2021. We're now at over 150 million of sales, um, and so we have and 350 transactions. So that really gives us uh, some good information to work from. We really design. If you kind of break it down, you're still doing. If you're working with an agent, you're still doing a bunch of work. You're still deciding pricing. You're still doing analysis on that front. You're still accepting showings. You're still answering questions. You're still doing many of the administrative tasks, except for on top of that, the agent has their own schedule that you have to work with. So you're in this phone tag, uh, back and forth, their schedule, your schedule, and that all nets out actually to more work than just simply having the laptop on your lap, on your couch, and taking direct action and you deciding. Um, I think that coming back to the question of a hot market, uh, what we've seen in this last year, as all markets have heated up, we sell for 1.3% more uh, than the market average, in addition to saving 50% commissions. So we're very passionate about making it really, uh, making our service really robust and our transaction formula outperforming the market in those ways is really exciting, in addition to selling 10% more often than the market. So when you add all that up, and then look at selling and then buying your next property, uh, we're retaining 25,000 of equity for our customers that choose to buy and sell with us versus the average of the rest of the market and the traditional agent options. So it is not only less headache, it's also putting that much money back in your jeans. Uh, and that's a critical thing for, for Canadians, especially as home affordability uh, becomes more and more challenging. Boda has done a great job with uh, providing information, insight, market analysis, and the opportunity to see how the market is looking. Um, because you guys do such a variety of, of marketing a property beyond just an MLS listing, um, people want to get more understanding and information about, about you and your company. Where can they go and grab that information? You can head to bode.ca, and that's, uh, that's our website. And of course, reach out to us in any way that you see fit on, on the website. Um, and maybe one, one quick point to conclude, I uh, wanted to save it for this show, but we are, as of now, as of today, launching in Interior BC. Um, and we wanted to, wanted to bring that up because we've talked about that uh, in the past um, and know that Calgarians love buying properties out there, have a lot of properties out there, uh, myself included. It's, it's a beautiful area, so really excited to bring our value to that area, not only to the British Columbians that are already there, but Calgarians that are uh, are holding properties or looking to buy properties out there. That's fantastic. It's very exciting, especially as we head into the uh, the summer season, where people would mm -hmm. love to own a property and Absolutely. maybe be somewhere in the interior versus um, I don't know near you. So uh, it's uh, it's thank you so much, Rob. I want to thank uh, you for joining us. And again, those of you who are looking for more information, go to bode.ca. Uh, we've been joined by Robert Price, founder and CEO of Bode Canada. Thanks, Rob. How many times do we have conversations, Faisal, with people about the dream of what their lifestyle is going to look like and it involves travel and sometimes it involves living overseas? Do you know how many times when we sit down um, with someone to talk about their retirement, mm -hmm. they're like, you know, I would love to live outside of 
my hometown. I would love to live outside my own country. Yeah. And then they kind of ask us, where are the best places to live? Yeah. Like they don't, they haven't really done that research. And we go, well, there's only one place you go to find out all this kind of information. And that's international living. They, they do this every year. They yep. give us a list of, uh, they talk about the top 10, but there's a lot more on the list than the top 10. And you kind of look into it and you get this big book. And those of you who would like to get a copy of this book, I've got it here. I'll be happy to send a copy to you. You can come to our website. We'll, we'll uh, get you connected with international living. And I talked about this on our social media piece as yep. well about the best places to live. Their global retirement index is, is out and let's, uh, Let's talk about these places because they're fantastic. Yeah, and, and nobody better to help us with this. Uh, we've got Jeff Opdyke today. He's the author with, he's one of the authors certainly with International Living, but um, Jeff is joining us from Prague uh, today. So <laughs> no better than to talk to somebody who's actually living the dream, right, about what it's like to live overseas and, and, and an experience. So Jeff, first of all, thanks for joining us uh, on the show. We appreciate you taking time out of your lifestyle and your awesome lifestyle in Prague. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, no, no problems. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about, um, we're gonna get to the top 10 list and, and what people should be thinking about from a lifestyle perspective when they wanna transition, but I'd like to know just in a minute or less sort of your story. You, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're not from Prague originally, you've chosen to leave your, you know, the home country and your home base to make this change. Just give us, a, give us some context as to why you, why you did it and how you ended up in Prague. Uh, 17 years at the Wall Street Journal as a financial writer. I left and went to work as a, as a writer for a, an economics newsletter that I was traveling all over the world, loving life. Uh, lost my job and ended up deciding I wanted to go back to film school, so I went to UCLA, you know, go Bruins. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, got a degree in film and writing screenplays. But then I got an offer to, to live in Europe, you know, live and work in Europe, go anywhere you want to live, anywhere on the continent, and write for us. And I was like, I'm not going to pass that up. You know, that's an opportunity of a lifetime. Somebody wants to pay me to move to Europe. I'll, I'll do that in a heartbeat. Uh, and so I, I moved here 2018. So I've been here three years. Um, I'm, I'm three years into my, my, towards getting my permanent residency visa, which I get after five years. Uh, and it's just a wonderful lifestyle. I mean, I, I write about this all the time. And I, I try to convince, you know, everybody I write to that, if you, if you have ever dreamed of doing it, do it. Do it while you can, because I wish I had done it earlier. It's just a fabulous, fabulous lifestyle to, to live outside your country and experience things like a, you know, like a five-year-old experiencing the world when you see all this new stuff around you. Jeff, there's not that much difference between L.A. and Prague, right? Like, so, you know, walk yeah, us through a little bit. The, the small differences, yeah. if any. <laughs> <laughs> the small differences, you know, the ocean is very similar, um, traffic. Now, so so Prague is entirely different because, you know, L.A. is just this huge metropolis. Um, Prague is really small. It's sort of an overgrown town. I can get anywhere I want to go on a tram. My lifestyle is so simple because... You know, when I was living in L.A., I had a little Mini Cooper, and I was always, always, always forever stuck in traffic on the 405 or, you know, the 710 or something out of Long Beach. Um, here, I just walk out of my door, literally, and hop on the tram. You know, it's literally a, a 20-second walk to the tram, and I can get anywhere in Prague I want to go really, really quickly. I can walk all over the place. You know, I walk to, to the center of the city all the time. Um, so the lifestyle is very different. The cost of living is radically, radically less. Um, you know, I was living in a, 
a hovel in Long Beach, you know, for maybe $1,500. Um, and here I'm living in an 1,100 square foot, two floor apartment. The, if you could see my camera, you'd see that the window, the, the whole ceiling is basically a glass window looking out over the city. And, you know, I'm paying basically the same price, about $1,500 for this. So the lifestyle is just, it's, it's a radical upgrade um, than what you're accustomed to in America. And, you know, we're, we're talking about Los Angeles, but I also lived in South Louisiana for a long time in Baton Rouge, and I can tell you my cost of living in Prague in a world capital in the center of Europe is substantially less than it was in South Louisiana. Hmm. Um, I, I got an interesting question. So selling the dream of this is awesome, and, and I get excited just listening to you um, talk about that, Jeff, and I've been to Prague, and it's a beautiful historic city. I want to know the other side of it. What did you have to give up? What, what do you miss what should people really think about before they decide to uproot themselves and move halfway around the world? Um, you know, I don't know that I'm a good person to ask that question. And I'll tell you why. I mean, I grew up traveling the world with my mom. She was in the airline industry. So ever since I can remember, I have been on airplanes and airports and cities around the world and hotels and all that kind of stuff. So being overseas is kind of second nature to me. It's, it's who I am as a person. So I don't really see that I gave up anything. In fact, I gained so much more, honestly. I gained a better lifestyle. I gained greater ability to save for retirement, et cetera. The, the challenges are that, you know, the, the Czech language is really hard. There's a reason only 10 million people speak it. I mean, it's just a really hard language. And I haven't done a good job of learning it very well. I mean, I can kind of quasi get by with certain phrases, but not very well. Um, that said, I mean, English is pretty common here, but when you go into things like a supermarket and the checkout ladies don't understand English and they're asking you a simple question like, do you need a bag? And you look like a moron when you're saying, what are you saying? I don't understand. You know, it's things like that. It's going into the healthcare system. And even though all the doctors and nurses and whatnot speak English, the receptionist staff doesn't always speak English. So there's some, there's some lost in translation challenges dealing with parts of the service industry, service economy that you're accustomed to dealing with back in the States very easily. It's very challenging in you know when you're outside of the tourist sector. Um, but that said, I don't think there's I don't think anything else has been a challenge for me. Um, I, you know, it's just it, it's just an excitement every day to be able to get up and walk around this city and you know see a city that a, as it existed over the last thousand years because it was one of the one of the major cities in Europe that was never bombed. So you know it's just a beautiful place to be, and I don't find a whole lot of challenges. Yeah. All right, we got to get to it. We only yep. got a few minutes left. Yep. Let's go with the top 10 on the list. Number 10, what do we have for our top 10 list for best places to retire for the Retirement Index? Yeah, so number 10 is Uruguay down in South America, which I have to say, if, if I didn't live in Prague, I would live in Uruguay or Portugal, which is also on the list we'll get to in a minute. Uruguay is just a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, um, southern Uruguay along the coast, uh, Punta del Este. It's like, it's like Southern California circa 1950s. It's just a beautiful place to be. Number nine. Uh, number nine is Spain, also a wonderful, wonderful place. The only thing you have to worry about there is, you know, it's got high taxes and whatnot. So if you're if you have a tax issue, you know, don't worry, don't don't look to Spain. But other than that, Spain is a wonderful, wonderful place. <laughs> All right, number eight. 
Number eight is Malta, and I was in Malta a couple months ago for the first time. It's a beautiful place. It's sort of like somebody took the best of Southern Europe and the best of the Middle East and North Africa and Turkey and Greece and jammed it all together into Malta. Um, the only downside for me for Malta is that it is exceedingly hot, <laughs> and I grew up in South Louisiana, and I'm not the biggest fan of exceedingly hot, um, but it's a, it's a wonderful place to be. Dave Popovich's best pick, I would say, for for the next spot in the lineup. What's the what's uh, what's the next one? We got France, I think. Yeah, France is number seven. Um, out, er, people people tend to think of France as an expensive place, and if you're going to yeah. live in Paris, yeah, it's an expensive place. Right. But when you get outside of of Paris, France is actually a very affordable place. You know, there's some tax issues if you are if you want to live overseas and earn. Um, but if you're a retiree, it's not a problem at all. Um, and so France is a is a, a great place to think about moving. Um, you know, if you're not going to move into Paris, let's jump right to number one. But I want I want you to add Jeff why it's number one because there's a whole bunch of criteria. Thank you. That 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 you guys consider when you're picking this. So what's number one and why why did it make the top of the list? Yeah. So number one is Panama. Um, you know, it made the list because it's an affordable place to live. Like a, a couple can live down there on basically two thousand dollars a month. It's got high quality health care. English is you know spoken everywhere. Um, it's got high development ratio. You know, you're not going to feel like you're in a backward country somewhere. You know, the residency visa requirements are easy. Um, you're going to fit in really well. It's got a, a relatively low cost of living. It's not the cheapest on the list, but it's relatively low. Um, and so it, you know, it's just a it's just a really great place, and it's convenient to the U.S. I know there's a lot of people who want uh, quick access back home because they want to go, you know, visit kids or family or whatever it is, friends. Um, and so, you know, Panama really makes the list for that reason because it's just so convenient and so affordable and a, and a nice place to live. And you've got the ocean on both sides of the country. <laughs> yeah, we did have to jump right to number one because of time, yeah. uh, Jeff. But if people want to actually go in and find out all the information, because it's more than just a list. Oh yeah, there's detail. Like this, this book is pretty thick. Yep. Where can they go to get this information of all the great work you guys are doing? Uh, internationalliving.com. You know, you can find all that stuff there. We've been doing this for you know twenty something years, so we we are experts at this, without a doubt. Fantastic. Jeff, I want to thank you very much for joining us today all the way from uh, from Prague. We appreciate it. Enjoy your time there. We look forward to catching up wherever your next destination is going to be. The FBI does play a role, however, in your retirement, but let's maybe let's maybe define it. Okay. FBI. Now, this is this is not the actual um, the police force or or that kind of the government. Federal Bureau of Investigation. They're not. That's not the Federal Bureau of Investigation. It's actually FBI in our world stands for Feelings, Behavior, and Impact. Right. So as we start to see uh, and we continue to see market volatility, and this happens every time. Doing this for twenty five years, Dave, the emotions haven't changed. Right. And we're in an emotional market right now, the right. roller coaster of trading. Right. So when there is this type of volatility, people have feelings that they're, that they're experiencing. So I think what, what we need to do as advisors, as money managers, as retirement experts, yep. need to explore and dig into the, the why, the what, the how. Okay. And I'm talking about the individual, the investor, because there's going to be a reaction. We're going to get people in this market are going to capitulate. We're going to get people in this market that are going to get panicky. And then we're going to also get people going to get greedy, right? Fear or greed. Yep. Those are the two yep. extreme emotions we'll you talk bet. about. In those two emotions, we have to understand FBI, feelings, behavior, and impact. I was just going to say, it's we 
everybody needs to uh, understand because it's a framework to help them understand right yeah. how those feelings are going to to have an impact. So let's go through it. But and, really and create change. And create yeah, change. So you don't right. have to experience this type of right. a feeling all the time, right. right? So what is your feeling when this market is doing what it's doing or yeah. whatever's happening in your life? Let's focus on the market right now. Yeah. But what's the feeling you're getting? And then what behaviors are you seeing that's causing that feeling? So every time the markets fall, 10%, 5%, I get this feeling. Every time I turn on the news and I hear this, I get the feeling. That's the behavior yep. that's going on. Once you understand what behaviors are triggering that feeling, then you have to understand what's the impact to you. That's right. And that's where, and you've said this to me, Faisal, go to the deep, dark place. Right. Right? You know, when people are reacting, let's take, let's take an understanding of what the dark place is. What's the impact? Yeah. The catastrophic thinking that, that they're doing. Right. right. And so... I tried this with uh, a few of our clients as we've been talking about what's the volatility market. What are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling stressed. I'm worried. I'm concerned. What's the behaviors that you're seeing? Well, whenever we see market volatility like this, you know, markets are down 10%. I think this is going to crash. Right. The last stop spending and it affects my life and yeah, all those things, right? And, and, and they'll normally trigger or they'll anchor is a better word to a time in history that they experience large losses in their portfolio. Right. And they'll go, I remember 2008, I remember 1982, 87, whatever the time frame was, or I remember I lost a lot of money, and a lot is a, is a relative word, yep. but it's still a lot to them. Yep. Okay, Okay. what's the impact? You're seeing the behaviors of the market, you're seeing the behaviors of what, what the news you're getting, it's giving you this feeling, what's the impact? Well, I feel that the impact will be, I'll, I won't be able to retire, right. or my, I'll run out of money, right or I have to change my lifestyle, or I can't help my kids, or, 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 or something, Correct. right? And that's, that's the impact. Okay, so now what behaviors need to change in order to change the impact? Right. Well, the markets have to go up. Okay, mm -hmm. now can I give you information of how markets perform and when they're gonna go up? Right. Because that will give you the understanding of, do you do something different because of how you're feeling right. and the impact on you? And so I think this is where, when we're going through this with, with clients or with anybody who's looking for a second opinion, the impact is, is justified only based on the behavior that was, that was presented. If we can change the behavior. So when I look at this, purely from a data perspective, okay, every time we've had these types of issues, you and I do this quite a bit. We've spent hours amongst hours this week looking at every single market uh, segment, how it falls, what's the, the technical and fundamental views of it recovery yep. now, and going back to as far back our data, in some cases, 1935. Yep. These types of changes allow us, because we're not as emotional to the, to the money, we don't have that feeling part of it, we just have the behavior and the impact. Well, in fairness, listen, we're investors also. So, so we, we happen to maybe feel a, a bit of sense of control because we're doing all that research, but make no mistake, right? The FBI still applies to us, which is what we're applying to make sure that we're taking the right steps. It's funny because I I get more, um, the, the further away I have from control of information, mm -hmm. the, the higher the risk to me it seems. Yeah. Real estate, we had him on the show today, I'm not a real estate expert, right. so I have no idea. So the, the anxiety level goes up because I, the fear of not knowing. Yep. As soon as I get the data, I can make a, a decision. Right. 
right? And so I think that's what investors need to do is, okay, understand the behavior that's impacting you. Why is it impacting you? What do you think the impact's going to be? And then what information or behavior needs to change in order to change that impact? And once you get that information, you can adjust. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to expand this a little bit a little bit bigger because we've had lots of conversations with uh, with uh, clients this week because there is anxiety out there. And um, Faisal, what we can also say is because you you preface at the beginning, it's not just about market. So what this does is it raises an anxiety level in people. But when we talk to people, often that anxiety certainly is not just attached to the market. There are other things that are Absolutely. going on that, that amplify this. Absolutely. Uh, this anxiety that they're feeling, right? So and that's, that's a huge risk. You remember when Alberta was going through its crisis times. I mean, you could still argue it was. The, our clients in Alberta felt very differently than our clients in BC and in um, Ontario, in Ontario other parts of the overseas. country. That's right, because it gets amplified. And I don't think we can, I don't think you can underestimate that, right? You, it's interesting with what's going on politically right now, either in Canada or elsewhere will be the trigger to the uncertainty right. which then leaves people to think that this is going to be an impact to their future. Right. And it's our job to kind of understand where they're coming from. Right. So when we look at these truckers going across to Ottawa, yep. that's a, there's, there's a lot of feeling behind that. Right. Now, whatever side you're on, you have, an, you have a, a, a reaction or an emotion towards yep. it. Yep. So it's... It's going gonna, it's gonna to trigger something. And then you add on other things that you can't control politically, economically, yeah. sometimes even in your own family or even in your own house. That's exactly right. Right? As you start getting closer and closer to your own backyard, the risk level or the anxiety level goes up. And then we say, bring in the FBI. Right. Right? Bring in the feelings, the behavior, and the impact. Right. And let's see if we can, we can figure this out together. That's right. And then if there's corrective action needs to be taken, terrific. If there isn't, stay the course, keep the strategy, move on. Absolutely, absolutely. So this is going to be interesting. We're going to talk about how do you have that structure, that discipline, the entire process to bulletproof your retirement. This will give you the foundation to help you go through all these different challenges in your future. And we're going to talk about that on our next coming, our upcoming seminar on Tuesday, February 22nd, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register for this. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Yeah, and, and you can come prepared to that with your FBI questions, right? Um, it would be interesting for people to do that self-analysis. And, and I think people discount, Faisal, in my, in my you know, decades that I've been doing this, and you too, people discount that, that broader impact, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of the decision-making it can have in something like their, their financial decisions. So I really encourage people to think through that. Okay, having said that, uh, we look forward to seeing you at our, next, um, at our next seminar. And thank you for tuning in to another edition on More Than Money. On behalf of my, uh, my uh, friend and partner here, Faisal, I'm Dave. We'll look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. 
David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.